Hey everybody, Richard Hart here with Nicholas Merton, otherwise known as Data Dash. He's got a hell of a lot of followers on YouTube. I don't, how many do you have? Like 200K or something? You know, I mean, I, I, well, first of all, it's nice to be with you, Richard. I, I don't know exactly what the count is. I think we were around like 355,000 last time I checked. So I'm, I've kind of. That's a lot. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, it's been fun. I've been doing YouTube since 2017, uh, back in July when I started the channel. And uh, like I said, man, as we've as we chatted before back in Singapore, it's crazy. It's been about a year, man. Um, yeah, I guess it was uh, back in November 27 or November 2020 or 2019 that we get to chat right before everything hit the fan. And uh, no, it's just been awesome, man, to get to chat. You've been with a big, big fan of the channel for a while. Time, time flies. I was, uh, <clears throat> I just noticed that I didn't have my desktop audio on. So everyone that was, uh, it was <laughs> listening, they're just going to have to read your lips. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I hope, I hope your lip reading is good. Nicholas just said the last time that we met was in uh, Singapore about a year ago. And, uh, he's got about the 300 K plus uh, followers on YouTube. I think that was the important part there. <laughs> Thank you, man. I forced it out of him. No one likes to brag about their YouTube uh, numbers, but I, I would, if I had 300 K followers, I'd lead with that shit. I'd be like, yeah, you know, Thank you, man. If I, I did makeup it. tutorials, I'd have 500 K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That, that's what I, that's the, that's the backup plan. If DeFi and crypto doesn't work out, Richard Hart makeup. There we go. Bro, I, I would literally have more followers if I did keyboard reviews. And people that do keyboard reviews have more followers. Like it's just more people use keyboards than they buy crypto. That's how it is. Yeah. So. Well, man, I'm, I'm excited to chat with you. And I, I, I'm, I think there's so much going on in DeFi right now. It's actually been a while since I've done a live stream. So I'm happy to do it with you, man, and just get to catch yeah. up because, I mean, taking a step back, I mean, Dude, like back in November, I know you were on the early stages working on your project Hex, and we were kind of watching the early stages of DeFi kind of take off. I don't think people really even knew what DeFi was at that time. And, you know, we were kind of, I think we kind of looked crazy when we were shouting through the roof that we had gone through the uh, wake-up call on Ethereum. We kind of shifted our opinions from from being kind of more like on Bitcoin-focused to what was going on on DeFi, so on Ethereum. So I'm just it's like, I, I think, I think, I mean, we were doing this stuff before anybody else. Like a lot of people say Hex kicked off the market because we were like the biggest thing in DeFi is Uniswap by far. Mm -hmm. The most liquid uh, Ethereum USD pair in the world is on Uniswap. There's over a billion or $2 billion of, I think there's at least $1 billion of Ethereum sitting in Uniswap. It's 3% of all Ethereum mm -hmm. is in Uniswap. Hex was 40% of their volume and like number one to number three for months, months on that platform. Hex popularized that platform. Nobody else was there. We made it popular. Mm. And then, you know, it's funny, like people talk shit about Hex and then all of their other projects just die. So the dead bodies float by us in the river. We're like, oh, oh, you were saying nice things about that project, exit scammed. Oh, you were saying nice thing about that project, hacked. You know, <laughs> like think about all the hacks since Hex has been launched. BitMEX founders in jail. Two are on the run. One has been uh, put in jail and then got out on bail. Really? <clears throat> OKX, no withdrawals for a week now. Founder, jail. Uh, you know, not not sure what kind of custody he's in, but I imagine it's some form that's not that great or he would let everyone get their withdrawals, right? Yeah. Uh, Binance hacked 50 million, 40 million, something like that, said they were going to roll back the chain. Uh, and then promotes, uh, this exit scam crap, uh, on his like side chain BSC or whatever it's called. 
you know they've got like their fake versions of uni, uh, of uniswap that then they go ahead and get exit scam yeah. yams went to zero sushi went almost to zero uh you're just like how all of kucoin hacked 250 million i go down the list and i'm like hey guys oh ravencoin inflation bug minted an extra five percent sold it on exchange hey guys hex 100 percent uptime everything's going perfect <laughs> So you guys are all failures. To, You've all failed. To, all of you. To build on less. that, yeah. To build on that, Richard, <laughs> I, I want to kind of like summarize, you know, that that difference because I was kind of hitting on the fact. You know, we last chatted in November. We've messaged back and forth a little bit, but I got to tell you, man, the one thing that kind of like there's two things that have hit me, right? So the first one here is obviously DeFi has grown as a topic. A lot more people are actually starting to see the potential of it. It used to be really kind of like. You know, just about a year ago, we were kind of nutcases for believing in it. Um, I've been talking about Kyber Network in, in 2017, using Compound and Uniswap back in 2018 and 2019, and even toyed around with some of the margin plan, uh, margin trading platforms like DYDX and Fulcrum. Uh, and basically, it was like, wow, this stuff's really cool. Uh, and at the same time, there wasn't much liquidity. There wasn't much kind of market validation. And now we've gotten to this point, man, where, I mean, you saw CZ tweet out himself, like, basically they're we scared yeah they're scared that they have yeah. to list this stuff and i'm not again yeah. i wouldn't even be railing on cz or like binance as a company or coinbase but they have to list this stuff that's where the trading volume they is. don't have to yeah well they could just fucking die <laughs> like so i mean it's very simple cryptocurrency was invented to get rid of middleman mm -hmm. cryptocurrency was invented to put you in control of your finances if you are sending selfies to somebody you are a bitch they will make you beg for your money they will lose your security. They will get hacked. You will lose your money. The crypto is designed to get rid of those middlemen. Exchanges are middlemen. And by the way, where does everyone lose their money? They buy shit coins that go to zero or they margin trade. And how do those exchanges and coin ranking sites make all of their money? On people getting wrecked margin trading and on people getting wrecked exchanging into shit coins. They need you to get in and out of coins to get volume to make fees. They need you to get in and out of trades to make volume to get fees. So when you see rich exchange founders, they're rich because they jacked their customers. Now, there is one exception. The one exception is regulatory arbitrage. We do need people that have bank accounts that can onboard people from the fiat world into the crypto world. We do need that because the governments don't play fair. They don't just let you sell your crypto like you would sell an umbrella. They make you get all these licenses and shit. Mm. Because of that, some exchanges do have utility. And so when people say, hey, I want to buy in, I refer them to Bitstamp. The reason I refer them to Bitstamp is because they don't have margin trading and they have minimal shit coins. And so the people that I send there are less likely to get destroyed. But if I send them to other platforms, they're shoving margin trading down your throat and they're shoving shit coins down your throat. And who does that harm? Those people that are on the other sides of the trades. Like it's not good for those people. <clears throat> yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think... How many people have outperformed buying and holding Bitcoin? Nobody. Yeah. I mean, now altcoins now, but like in general, if you try and trade, and outperform like just Bitcoin's natural 1.3 million X that it's up now, you're not you're not going to beat it. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that the thing that Richard, I wanted to just take some time to talk about as like a secondary point is obviously people are taking it, you know, obviously a lot more serious now. It's 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 kind of a change on the overall industry. It's not just some kind of thought experiment or a bunch of guys who are just sitting in their basement, you know, con contextualizing what's going to be the new world of DeFi. The thing that like really irritates me, man, is like. It, there, there is some parts of DeFi and stuff that have gotten me really upset, and a lot of that has been oh, yeah. the, the craze around like yield farming, and obviously there's yeah. the, kind of the buzz around NFTs now. Um, and I'll tell you, man, there is a lot of noise, and it's the same kind of people in the industry that I've seen who have, for the, for the last few years, catching every single new wave and trend. 
And the thing that really irritates me, man, is like we have, for example, with like Digifox, like we wanted to kind of build a hybrid between uh, centralized and also decentralized services to at least provide as much utility as possible until DeFi can really flood. Well, when you, when you were starting out, the only way that you could provide, so he started a uh, an app called Digifox mm -hmm. that helps people get yield. It's basically the same business model or similar business model to Hex. So basically in Hex, the yield is paid through inflation and through penalties. <clears throat> in his system, the yield is paid by people uh, borrowing it to short, basically, um, <clears throat> or sell, which is shorting. So like in his system, you guys, I think you still send most of your traffic to Block.Fee maybe, or? Oh, so we don't do BlockFi. So we do Celsius and Compounds. Okay. Um, and, okay. and just yet yeah, to clarify on that, Richard, that's a good point. Um, there is borrowers on the other side versus something like Hex, Hex which is based on staking. Um, but the biggest thing here is that the, the actually the biggest borrowers right now um, that have actually been able to drive up the the interest rates that are existent right now in the stablecoin market are mainly exchanges, to my knowledge. Um, but there are a lot of people as well who are taking short positions. That's why, for example, yeah. the borrowing rate on a lot of altcoins uh, that were overextended during the DeFi craze had a pretty high yield. Yeah. So, so the the thing that we're so like <clears throat> when we talk about the problem with so this is the end the summary there is that we're both. We both built something that tries to get people yield on their money. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, much of DeFi is fake. Much of it is entirely centralized. There's a, a guy, I can't remember his name right now, but he's always laying into these people that are centralized entities where there's huge risk. He's the only oh, guy Oh, Chris? Or, um, or what? Chris Black? Yeah, Chris Black, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I support him doing that, and I have done that myself. It, in, People don't realize the tail end risk of everything disappearing at once. So if you if you had your money on Quadriga CX in Canada, it disappeared at once. If you had your money on Cryptopia in New Zealand, it disappeared at once. If you had your money on OKX, you ain't getting it. Maybe you'll get it, but right now, for the last week, you're not getting it. So, you know, there's this tail end risk of everything's great, everything's great, everything's great, and then rug pull, exit scam, jail, bug, whatever the fuck it hits. And you can reduce the chance of that happening, right? So Hex was delayed about a year because we took security very seriously and we got two security audits and it took time to do security right. Everyone else is getting the shit exit scammed out of them. Andre Cronje uh, launches a new fucking coin. Uh, people FOMO into it, EVM or EVN or whatever, eminence, EVN, I guess. It X like goes to zero, bugged. Yeah, that's something I would You're say. Like, uh, yeah, Richard, I think to build on that again, that's the kind of narrative <clears throat> shift that I'm really getting tired of in this space. And, and again, not really singling out Andre in this case, but this this whole narrative of like, yeah, let's just deploy something on mainnet. Like, yeah, let's just expect Move fast it. and break things. Yeah. With finance. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, you will lose everyone's money. <laughs> yeah, man. You will lose everyone's money. How many times do you have to see everyone lose all their money? Yeah. Stop doing that. Exactly, man. So there are audited, Uniswap is audited out the ass. Hex is audited out the ass. You can, you know, there are things that have been around logger that are battle tested that you know don't have vulnerabilities use those things stop getting exit scammed and being a degenerate gambler and buying any ticker symbol that comes out and then thinking you're rich for 20 minutes and then watching that shit go to zero it's stupid how many times do people see it it's this it's icos over again except now they don't even make a fancy fucking white paper they just tell you there's some yield farming shit so this guy, Chris Black, the last thing he, well, first he calls out uh, RenVM for being totally centralized. The cold wallet that holds a billion dollars of Bitcoin is 
in the control of like what they say is six they, guys. They, from my understanding, guys from my understanding, guys. and I don't want to make a claim, so don't quote me on this, but I think they use like sure. a, a custody solution like BitGo at the moment um, as they're going through. Okay. Like, yeah, but no, but so no, no. BitGo six guys. No, 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 no. I, I'm building on your point, Richard. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's like the, the problem that I've seen, as you mentioned, <laughs> is there are a lot of like there's the admin keys, which Chris was very good and vehement about putting out. And I really admired him for that. Again, I, I've watched some of Chris's content as I was going through the DeFi space myself. Um, but yeah, the problem is, is like, man, I've gotten like the biggest criticism I got Richard from a lot of people is like, um, that people were like, oh, you know, for example, like, um, I, some people were really cautious about Nick, you know, you plug into Celsius, you, you plug into some of these like centralized providers in this case who are, well, there's risk. Yeah. No, you're, you're basically just slave to the, the counterparty risk. Like they can access and look, they could be the most honest people in the world, hmm. but Bitco is based in the United States. And if you're based in the United States, you aren't in the right country for crypto. Hmm. You're not. The CZ will never enter the United States territory, ever. I, I'm willing to bet you Arthur is not in a rush to go get into police custody in the United States. I'm willing to bet you. Right. Right? So like, like, people forget why crypto exists. It is an adversarial relationship with people that don't want you to have your freedom. There are people that do not want you to have your freedom. They want you to beg them to transact. You want to buy food? Use a card and we can say no. You want to pay your rent? Use a card and we can say no. You want to get a taxi? Use a card and we can say no. And you're at our, you're at our behest. If we want you to be able to transact, we'll leave your card on. But if we don't like you one day, we deactivate you. Mm-hmm. And then, you're, then you're, what do you do for, to eat, right? What do you do in a cashless society to eat if your card's turned off? You starve is what you do or beg. So... These, it, it, people didn't have to lose money in Cryptopia. They didn't have to lose money in Quadriga CX. They didn't have to lose money on OKX. They didn't have to lose money in these exit scams, rug pulls, hacks. There is a better way. If you use truly audited, secure software like holding their coins yourself, then there's no counterparty risk for you. There's no counterparty risk for you. Absolutely. So, yeah. it, it, it's like you have smart contract risk in DeFi. Fine. You have inflation bug and node risk in normal coins like Bitcoin native or ETH native. And then that risk, you have an extra layer of the custodians. So your your blockchain could fuck you or your smart contract your smart contract could fuck you. Or the people holding the private keys could fuck you, or the government could fuck them and make them fuck you. And then you have to decide how many layers of fucking do you want to engage with, like a stable coin. You're like fiat sucks. So, you know, fiat sucks and you can only put a hundred grand in the bank to get a deposit insurance. Maybe it's like 300 now. Um, and then it's always going down in value. So how can we make that suck worse? Let's have a stable coin where you don't even have the money in your account. Somebody else has it in their account. And then you've got blockchain risk, counterparty risk, no FDIC insurance and no yield. You don't make any money in the coin. <laughs> it's just like... But the funny thing is, as shitty as all that is, it's still worth it to most people for the regulatory arbitrage to use it still. So like, so like stable coins have the most volume of anything in crypto, even though you would never think like, wow, what a dumb invention. And then they've proven to be fractional reserve. Like the, the New York, the NYC attorney general to tether was like, Hey, uh, yeah, you just had like a quarter, three quarter of a billion seized in Poland. So yeah, you're, you're running a fractional reserve and they're like, yeah. But we launched a token, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, and then it, it and it has been okay so far, you know. Like, <clears throat> so my so my point is, I want to get back to the Chris Black the risk the risk thing. There's a, a token that people are farming right now, 
I won't tell you what it's called, but there's a billion dollars of, of funds in it Jeez. that one guy can take whenever he wants. He can literally just take all the money. There's a 12, a 12 hour time lock and he's already done things that have taken 13 hour to fix bugs before. So he could just have a bug say, okay, I'm working on it, replace it with uh, something else that has a backdoor in it and then empty out all the funds. So RenVM could run with all the money. Bitco could run with all the money and they're in charge of all rap BTC and who's trying to buy them PayPal. And now who would be in charge of the rap BTC PayPal? Is that good for crypto? PayPal sucks. So it's, it's just hilarious that we were supposed to replace banks and people are like, oh God, the banks are coming. Thank God. And we were supposed to replace PayPal and people are like, oh yes, PayPal is buying more banks. Oh my God. It's so amazing. And there's like no worse company in the world than Facebook. And they're like, yes, we're going to get the Facebook coin. Or, oh, oh, how about this one? Unicoin or uh, Uniswap. Uh, Uni, yeah. Uniswap yeah. is better than Bancor because they did more volume and better software and didn't have a hundred million dollar ICO and didn't have a stupid duct tape on token. And everyone loved it. And they're like, yes, real, no bullshit duct taped on token, right? Public good. No one's getting rich. But then what happened? Got to duct tape a token onto that shit. They duct tape a token onto it and everyone loves it even fucking more. And, and hexagons love it the most because hexagons got 5% of all those fucking coins. Hmm. And it's a five billion, it's a billion dollar project. So hexagons got five plus million dollars free money off of those airdrops. So thank you for the free money. That's amazing. And they have the funniest price chart. First two days, solid green lines up, only doom ever since. <laughs> it's, it's literally a Nike symbol pointing up. It just goes like this. It's like hilarious. And there's never, oh, dude, crypto is so funny. The hypocrisy. Yeah. It was amazing because there's no token. And now it's more amazing because there's a token. What? <laughs> and it was fully functional without the token. Okay, so what does the token do now? And, and the token's a security as well. So what, what is a security? You give money to a common pull with the expectation of profit solely from the work of others. Okay, so they say things like, hey, this token, it's gonna allow you to change the default uh, search list, to put tokens in the default search list. Okay, well, I know that a human being has to edit that. That's not on chain. That's a front end that someone runs on a server. So a human being is gonna edit something to benefit the holders of this token. That's a security. Someone is doing work to, ben to pump someone else's bags, and then everyone lists, lists it instantly. Everyone lists an obvious security that has voting, and, the, and the, like, I'm <laughs> like, what? Or, or like CZ. CZ's like, yo, we don't list anything unless we know the founders, okay? List sushi swap within hours, yeah. and then exit scams. You're like, what happened, dude? What, what, what huh? <laughs> like, you have enough money. Like, you don't have to scam. You have enough money. You already have successful business. Your shit's your market cap's already billions. Like you don't need to do extra risky, stupid scam shit if you're already like the leader of the fucking volume. Like they have real volume. It just blows my mind, dude. So, in summary, don't put your fucking money in things where you're going to get exit scammed that have oracles or admin keys because you will lose it all. So that guy that has a billion dollars, if he decides to exit scam, why the fuck wouldn't he exit scam for the billion dollars? I think he's anonymous as well. I don't even think he. I don't even think he has an identity. Hmm. Why wouldn't someone who's anonymous exit scam for a billion dollars? A billion. Yeah. Obviously, they would. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about the project, Richard. I, I mean, I've seen some of the yield farming. It's called project. Farm. I think the token's oh. called Farm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, man, it's like, yeah, above all, this is the, the point I was getting to earlier. Is like, I, I do understand, <clears> for example, as with anything, and that's why we offer Compound uh, within the, the Digifox wall in that case. And we hope to offer more different types of offers in that case that are more decentralized. 
But the thing well, compound that, has audits. Yeah, you know, yeah, so. exactly. Compound has, but it's, to be fair, as Chris like points out and stuff, you know, again, all DeFi is very. It's kind of a spectrum. It's subjective. There are admin keys, and what's nice is they do have still has oracles. Yes, exactly, and oracles. Yeah, so there's it, things people don't know what an oracle is. An oracle is two guys running a server that then controls everything, and if they change the price on that server, it ruins everyone's projects, all of it, and that's it. So, so when your when your blockchain thing says, okay, what's the price of a Bitcoin? Something has to tell it what the price of a Bitcoin is because it doesn't know. And whoever runs that server can ruin everything. Would, just to clarify people, in that case, Richard, like that, that's if you, you could have an Oracle that only has like two inputs, but most of them in that case, usually if you're using something like if you're using Chainlink or if you're using other solutions, in that case you're getting more inputs, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And then you get more people to collude to get their billion dollar payout. So, like, so basically the Oracle attack is, hmm. hey, uh, we're gonna, we're you and me and some other guy are gonna agree to lie about the price to make money on our short or money on our long. So mm -hmm. we're gonna, and then with flash loans, you could go get a fucking giant loan for free. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of flash long. loans. Yeah, I mean the solution of flash loans is time weighted average price, and then you mm -hmm. have to manipulate it for longer. And flash loans are only good for ten seconds. So yeah, like there is a solution to them, but like there's shit software companies like BZX that's been hacked three or four times. That didn't even bother to use time weighted average price, so they just got hacked like all the time. And they've been hacked for other reasons as well. So, if you use oracles, you're not getting censorship resistance of a blockchain. If you use admin keys, you're not getting censorship res resistance of a blockchain. Uniswap does not use oracles; it is an oracle. It doesn't re reference anything outside itself, and it doesn't have admin keys in, in the sense that they could change the game. Mm -hmm. So the game is what the game is. They do have a switch they could flip to turn on a 15% tax for new liquidity. It doesn't affect old liquidity. It doesn't affect traders. It only affects new liquidity providers. And if they flip that switch, I think everyone just goes to a different fork anyway. Exactly. So yeah. they're not going to flip the switch. So yeah. don't use shit that has oracles if you don't have to. Don't use shit that has admin keys if you don't have to. And Uniswap, Hex, uh, and not that many other projects I know of are free of those two things. I mean... I don't know of any other ones. Do you know of any other DeFi projects that aren't Uniswap or Hex that doesn't have admin keys that doesn't have oracles? That doesn't have admin keys, I would say at this point, Richard, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Forks, uh, forks of Uniswap, I guess. Yeah. But a lot of those have you could probably. admin keys, actually. Yeah. A lot of those have admin keys for that new farming shit. Yeah. I yeah, think it's rare. It's like super rare. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the point above all that I was, I was trying to drill to and stuff that like I think is just important to, and to keep in mind, what, what started to kind of make me upset about the DeFi space as a whole is I started to sense that it was being a bit uh, misaligned or at least kind of misled by some people who are coming in with the whole yield farming craze. And the problem it's not that, over. Yeah, no, no. It's going to be there for the NFTs is the next shit. Yeah. is cancer. No, exactly, man. Here's yeah. It's it's a big problem where like basically what I was finding is like there was people who were again as you mentioned Richard there are definitely risks at the end of the day and stuff um, especially if you're considering insurance policies regulatory compliance and also as you mentioned on the technical front with custody uh, but the one thing that I just I really hated was like when we were seeing all these great actual applications in DeFi that started to come up like Uniswap and all these applications. I started getting criticism in this case when there were yield farming projects like Yam that walked away with millions upon millions of dollars. No one batted an eye. Everyone said, oh, they pat him on the back and say, no worries. It's not a problem. And stick them on the front page of CoinMarketCap too, always. It, All these fucking yeah. scams go right in the fucking homepage. You're yeah. like, hey, guys, you're making money in there. You're selling ads. to So people buy scams and they go to your site to check on how their scam's doing. And then you sell ads on top of the fucking scam page. Great work. And these are the guys that advertise BitConnect and yams and a lot of other shit you're just like 
why don't you why don't you have some like a DJ doesn't play bad music. He curates the music and just plays good music. Why don't you guys just list shit that doesn't suck? It's you could do that, you know? You just have to have ethics and morals. These are already like CoinMarketCap got sold apparently to Binance for like 800 million fucking dollars. They don't need to keep scamming. They can relax that shit. They can hire a couple people to do quality control. It's absurd to me. <clears throat> yeah. No, above all, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Richard, in regards to kind of like the overall DeFi space, uh, I'm just curious more than anything to to talk to you a little bit about layer two scaling because I know we messaged sure. back and forth a little bit about it. Yep. So obviously for for us, and I, I don't, I'm assuming maybe maybe Hex is exploring it as well. Um, but one thing yep. that we've been definitely exploring is layer two. So I've been looking, obviously, mm-hmm. at ZK rollups, uh, looking at yep. optimism. You know, I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. I know we had talked about you said you liked ZK rollups or ZK snarks in this case. So I'm curious to hear. From there you. are caveats. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I do like them very much for transfers of ERC20 tokens. Right. But if you need to do actual logic, you need to rewrite all the code. Yeah. So that code's already rewritten. You're good. You can plug and play. It's fine. So if you want to do 2,000 transactions per second with Hex, you can do it on zksync.io. We've already done a two, 250,000 transfers through there. I don't know of anyone else. That, that the first airdrop on layer two in history of man, basically. Vitalik was like, hey, the fees suck. Use layer two. The fees suck. Use layer two. No one would use it. So Hex had to use it. Just like we popularized Uniswap, we popularized uh you know, layer two yeah. on ZK Sync. Yeah, I know you were telling me about the Richard. I think that's really exciting yeah. to see that you guys have, again, it's one thing I do appreciate about Hex and stuff, you know, above all, man, the one thing I think I'd always told you since November is I think it's a wild, interesting experiment. And at the same time yeah. as well, uh, it'll not only be interesting to see how it plays out over the long run stuff, but the thing above all that- I think, we're, I think we did all-time new highs yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New all-time highs yesterday. No, I, I know the market cap's been doing well, and I, I just want to yeah. say congrats on just the success Thanks, you've had man. so far in it. The one Thank thing um, I, I wanted to say, though, is that, you know, obviously, um, you know, the one thing that I appreciate, Richard, about what you've done is that, again, you've gone through proper audits. You didn't just deploy it straight to mainnet eagerly to launch a token. And along with that as well, you are experimenting with a lot of interesting tech. To the point you were bringing up, though, about like um, in regards to like having to uh, kind of rewrite the logic in this case for something like ZK Snarks. I'm curious. It's too hard. Optimism's easier. Yeah, I was so going to ask you. If you go with optimistic yeah. rollups, you don't. It's it already plugs and plays with the Solidity code that you've got, yeah. which is way easier. So like Synthetics uh, chose to do their L2 on uh, Optimism. Yep. And then uh, you know the ZK rollup guys, for like for instance Matter Labs that run ZK Sync, they're working on it but it's not out yet so if you want to really use layer two you're going to have a if you want to use layer two for contracts that do business logic you're going to have a better time on optimistic roll-ups because they're already out there precisely because you know? yeah so, the ovm or the optimistic virtual machine in this case basically runs in the same logical or code based yeah. framework as yeah. as what you're dealing with on ethereum exactly so this is why like you know you mentioned as well like uh, in this case uh, synthetics is doing it but they also partnered with um uh, uniswap Chainlink. i think they've got a few other corporate yeah. partners right now yeah which is really exciting Uniswap had Unipig, which is their LTV yeah. Uniswap out for a long time. I tweet, like, I tweeted Hayden about that. I, t- I tweeted yeah. Hayden. I was like, hey, man, like, I got to tell you, like, we've got users on Digifox right now who want to make swaps into these tokens. And the problem is right now is that the network fee was getting up to, it was like 20, 30 bucks a swap, Rich. It was crazy. That's because yeah. the fucking Uniswap airdrop. Once the Uniswap yes. airdrop chilled out, I mean, it, we were paying over a thousand guay. Yeah. If, if you wanted to, like, do trader speed, you were paying like 1100 guay like because <laughs> you know when hex started you could pay two guay 
Yeah, how, how crazy, up to 1100, man. You're like, okay, so it's 500 times more expensive. Yeah. I mean, dude, the funny it, thing is there's actually a coin that's a tied to that that you could trade. <laughs> so there's a gas coin that you could actually trade that's tied to gas price, which is funny. Yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah. I know, I know about that. They have like the the they have the chai gas token. There's also another yeah. one that I'm I'm thinking about. I think the original gas token. But I mean, I was t- thinking about picking it up, man. Like we were we were looking at it, you know, obviously as a solution. But I'll tell you, well, that it's not really. I mean, it just cuts your price in half at most. Basically. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Is it was like <laughs> you're either paying two hundred or four hundred guay on like you know transactions, and it's like, look, I mean, what's what's the difference at the end of the day? It's, it was so ridiculous from just back again in November when we were kind of sitting quietly talking about DeFi and stuff and talking about Ethereum. Yeah. I mean, you could literally pay transaction fees that were, you know, anywhere from one to 10 guay in that case. Well, they're which, back to cheap again. Yeah. I, I think uh, maybe a few hours ago. It's about you know, 40, 40, and it 20. ranges anywhere from like 20 to uh, around like 60 to 70 and average out, I think around like 50, 60. I've been watching Etherscan, but it, it sucks, man, for us because we did, um, as you mentioned, Richard, I, I completely agree with you that you know, if you choose to, for example, the whole thing about Digifox or the philosophy we had is that if you want to interact with Celsius or if you want to interact with Compound or Uniswap, you know, you can interact with whoever you want in this case. And we're going to work constantly to hopefully try to, you know, mention what they're if they have a custodial uh, platform, if it's a custodial platform, right. their keys. Most um, people don't give a fuck. He, Most people do not give a fuck. I can yell. Chris Black can yell. I can yeah. yell. No one gives a fuck. Yeah, they, I, they really. They just will not. They. They don't care. No. They will put their money in anything. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, at least we try to. So you don't even have to tell them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the best thing is, above all, at least we have some kind of filtration on like the good opportunities. We did the same with like tokens as well. We don't want to just have a full list of the the tokens that you can find on Uniswap without any kind of filtering. Um, but the well, the one thing above all that like uh, I think is is really you can just make a list. You know, you can submit. A yeah. List no. No. To we actually Uniswap we did list. that. We did. Yeah. So we have our own custom you know, list. Yeah. We we submitted oh, nice. it. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Um. We basically they just pulled one inches off. One inch used to be there. It's not there anymore. Really? Yeah. So one inch launched a while ago mm-hmm. a competitive uh, automated market maker system called MooniSwap. Yeah, MooniSwap that, yeah. Uh, puts a time delay on the price movement so that the liquidity providers mm-hmm. apparently can make a little bit more and the arbitrage guys can make a little bit less. Apparently, I've not really looked at the math too hard on it because most of the hex liquidity is on Uniswap. Uh, <clears throat> well, they used to have a list. And it was the one inch list and it had, you know, 500 tokens or whatever. And now it's not there anymore. Like magic. Who knew? I wonder why it disappeared. You know, there's so much shit that goes on that people don't realize like what's happening, right? Like they're, yes, it was probably removed because they're building competitive products and then they don't want to compete, which is weird as an open, like if you launch as an open source project, you want people to compete with you or you wouldn't have used an open source license. Open source license means please make a copy and compete. That's what it means. But then they launch a token and it's like, oh, well, now that we got a token, you know, let's fucking get rid of that list. You're like, so shady, man. This is so like, I don't know. You wonder how many people really know what's going on, right? Like, for instance, isn't it interesting that the guy that launched SushiSwap just happened to be in the same graduating class of MIT with uh, Alameda FTX dude? They were in the same class together. Did they actually what, find isn't the it interesting? That, yeah, yeah. It's the it's the guy that owned Band the the CTO of Band Protocol was the same fucking really? guy. So yeah, because they're hosted on the same server and like uh, the, the, he was liked every single tweet the other guy ever said and you know <clears throat> you can tell who you can tell what bag somebody holds by what they shell. It's really that easy. <clears throat> so 
So what was what was FTX worried about? FTX worried about uh, De- DeFi killing centralized finance. Binance is worried about DeFi killing centralized finance. Unless they can get their fucking hooks in the DeFi, lock it up, and then, oh, DeFi is great, right? So, so what they did was <clears throat> they did a vampire attack against Uniswap by t- duct taping on a shit coin to liquidity farming, which was sushi. And then they all listed it on their exchanges rather instantly and farmed it themselves, right, to, to earn yield. And that was their hope of getting their corporate hooks into DeFi in order to like, okay, well, if our centralized play loses volume due to DeFi's, uh, you know, make for, for, censorship make resistance, right, then, yeah. the, then their fucking, their other plays will, will work, right? And so like Sam is still doing that stuff from a different format. And, and I, I think, you know, some of the things, I think a lot of what he says does make sense, but just because the shit you say makes sense doesn't mean you don't have an angle, right? And people that own centralized exchanges aren't happy to lose all their money to DeFi. They're not. And I'm in love with it. Like, I am a cypherpunk and I want the power to the people and fuck these middlemen and fuck selfies and fuck the hacks and like, fuck all that. Like, crypto can solve that. And solving that is a bigger deal than Bitcoin itself, but people don't realize it. Yeah, man. More I, people, good. No, I, DeFi yeah. and removing exchanges is a bigger deal than what Bitcoin was built to address. Yep. Because where do pe- most people lose their money in these exchanges, and how do most people really use cryptocurrencies? Bitcoin is just a sh- is just the utility token for margin trading. That's all it is. The vast majority of Bitcoin transfers is people gambling on the price. So this is the only real use case crypto has is speculation, and the biggest pain point that people have in speculation are these centralized fucking entities. So solving that problem is a huge, giant, giant, giant fucking deal. Uniswap makes more money in fees per day than Bitcoin does. Period. Yeah. It's really that easy. People care. They really care about these things. Yeah, it, the it, thing it, it's upsetting, Richard. You know, just to see, like, uh, I think over the last uh, year or so, we've seen. I, I think the catalyst for it for me personally was when I was watching the the Samson Mao interview with uh, Vitalik for Peter McCormack. And I, I know, obviously, you and Peter had your uh, your interesting conversation. Don't they've even... all got me blocked. Magic <laughs> with Peter doesn't have me blocked. Samson's got me blocked. <laughs> Like every like, if I when I browse Twitter, it's I've either blocked them or they have blocked me, and it's mostly I have to I have to private window Control Shift N to fucking actually read Twitter. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. There's so much blocking going on. You know, honestly, I've listened to some of Peter's stuff. I didn't like how he how he acted in your guys' interview and stuff. But I digress. That's like I guess a topic for another time. <laughs> but the one thing that, that that interview he did, I think he did a a relatively decent job in that case. You know, bringing on Vitalik, letting him have a voice. I thought it, that that I thought that Peter actually did an okay job there. Yeah, and I don't like him, but he did an okay job in that interview in yeah, the, my opinion the the takeaway though dude that i i just honestly you know i I've, I've seen as i've traveled a little bit here as of recent and you know went to actually a few small events but like the the thing man that i just constantly can't get past is the kind of arrogance now there is some eth maximalism i'll say that that's true but like man <clears throat> the constant hostility towards the expansion of DeFi is it's crazy is, it is pretty interesting to see and I, the thing that's sad is that i think it's a bit of a bit of remorse in this case because you know, taking a step way back in crypto history, people forget sometimes that what ETH is, you know, was going to be Bitcoin. I mean, that was what Vitalik wanted to propose. 
And yeah, he wanted to launch it on Bitcoin. Yeah, he wanted to launch it on Bitcoin. They could have, they could have done a lot of what Ethereum's already done with color coins with all these technologies yep. on top of it. And it's it's really mm -hmm. upsetting that it's still just kind of sitting on. Uh, people say, oh, the Ether's never going to scale. Um, <laughs> you know, for example, it's already but, scaling. Yeah, now. Yeah, do two thousand transfers like now. But it, it, it does more transactions now. It does. It, yeah, I mean the thing. Bro, that, I'm going to pitch you Ethereum over Bitcoin if you're ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to hear that because I, I would love you to give that pitch okay. to people. But I think just because I've heard Vitalik do it and he does a terrible job. Vitalik's yeah. pitch for Ethereum is garbage. Yeah, well, I he think invented it. I, it ain't no good of a pitch. I think I'll he, give you a better pitch. I think he tries to keep pretty passive on it, not too. But but look, I think the, the overall thing I would just say, and then I want you to give that pitch, Richard, because I think you, you're pretty right. good at um, making the selling point there on on Ethereum right. as we've talked about it. But I think above all, man, the the thing that's just so clear is that. You know, right now we actually have a real opportunity here with DeFi to actually, as you mentioned, uh, fix a lot of the wrongs here, not only in crypto. So obviously the most valuable use cases here are AMMs or decentralized exchanges to attract liquidity and allow swaps and also hopefully to earn some kind of yield or interest. But along with that as well, man, like there's there's so many things coming people haven't realized. There's going to be under collateralized loans soon. Uh, there's going to be all types of things. You know, those margin trading platforms. I have no idea up. how they're going to do that. You'll have to tell me. Um, and I'll have, I don't know how they're I'll have to do share that. with you. I can't talk about it now. Right. There's, a, there's a project right. and stuff that is out there. I was originally okay. working on an, an open source initiative that was focused on that. But there's another right. project of guys who happen to be good friends of mine who are working on it. Because I think you can only do that if you have fast enough execution speed to liquidate in time. And so the reason we have over collateralized loans is due to network latency, basically. So the one <clears> thing is for the under collateralized loans, the way that they're doing it is they're actually pulling from real world data in this case. So the one thing I've always been a believer of is if you ever really want real lending to be done in a relatively decentralized way, you're going to have to input real world data. And I know, as you mentioned, Richard, it's kind of a it's a game of like, OK, how much information do I want to exchange? Um, but I mean. <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I'll share more with you later. And so we should definitely do a follow up conversation yeah, on it. Sure. So give me a theory and pitch. I'm curious overall so, what made you what made you click on it? Easy. <clears throat> Do you care about security? Yes. Okay. What where have all of the hacks in cryptocurrencies come from? Bitcoin has been hacked twice. Oh, but how? But how? The inflation bugs. Some guy minted six billion extra Bitcoin in twenty ten. Oops. Bug. Oops. They had to roll back the chain and fix it. The same shit happened again, except this time the guy that found it, instead of just using it and becoming infinitely wealthy, what a nice guy. He disclosed it to the developers, and then they fixed it. Now, originally, they lied about it. Originally, they said it was just a denial of service attack. But actually, it was a denial of service attack with a mint as many free Bitcoin as you want. Who knew? Well, they knew, and they told you, you know, afterwards. So Bitcoin's had two inflation bugs. Monero's had an inflation bug. Bitcoin's had an inflation bug. Ravencoin's had an inflation bug. XLM's had an inflation bug. These things happen all the time. Why? Because when you want to make the code better, oops, you accidentally fuck something up that affects consensus, and then people can mint free coins. Hex doesn't have this problem because the code is locked. Ethereum also doesn't have this problem. It's never happened to Ethereum. And Ethereum has a bug bounty program. So you can get paid to find bugs in Ethereum. Can you get paid to find bugs in Bitcoin? No, just by stealing the money. So wouldn't it be smart for Bitcoin to have a bug bounty program? Yes. Wouldn't it be smart for Bitcoin to try and introduce modularity to its software to isolate the wallet consensus from the network? Yeah, it would be great. Then they could be more like Hex and more like the Hex Ethereum combo, but they're not doing that. Instead, the developers of Bitcoin are going off and making their own side projects. So when you see Adam back tweeting, what's he tweeting about? Liquid. Does Liquid have anything to do with Bitcoin? No. It's its own fucking software code base run by its own set of developers that takes away Bitcoin's actual use case, which is settlement. 
don't settle on Bitcoin, settle on our side chain, right? So <laughs> like, and then they have cloud mining play too. And then, and who's left Blockstream? Peter Roulet left Blockstream, went to Chaincode Labs. Some other badass dude just left Blockstream and went somewhere else. Like, and then everyone's been calling out Blockstream forever and just no one listens, right? Samson Mao sells toxic maximalist hats while investing in ERC-20 tokens and being paid in ERC-20 tokens with a toxic maximalist hat on for sale. Yeah. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, what is this bullshit, right? Be honest. Tell the truth. I do it. it, it it's okay. You can tell the truth about shit, right? <clears throat> so Ethereum versus Bitcoin. Ethereum's never had an inflation bug. It does higher transactions per second. It has scalability now. You can do 2,000 TPS with on-chain security guarantees through any layer two roll-up that you want. You can use Matter Labs Optimistic. You can use uh, ZK Sync's uh, <clears throat> uh, zero-knowledge roll-ups. You can use, uh, you know, OMG's plasma shit. There's all these things that work now, that scale now. So Ethereum has never had an inflation bug, can't roll back the chain. That's their major problem way back when. It was smaller, so you could roll the chain back. If they could roll back the chain back, they would do it now for Gavin Wood, who wrote Solidity and who wrote most of the, the Ethereum code. He's got $150 million locked up because he had a, a multi-sig failure that he wrote. And if anyone in the world was going to get bailed out, he is the most inside human being possible in the world. If anyone could get bailed out, they would bail him out. They're not bailing him out. So there's $150 million proof. It's probably more now because the price has gone up. That they're not going to be going through a chain reversal. They're not, they're not rolling back. Mm. So <clears throat> we've got proof that they're not rolling back. We've got scaling now. We've got uh, bounty programs. We've got more decentralized mining. If you want to uh, mine uh, Ethereum, you can do it with your video card. If you want to mine Bitcoin, fuck yourself. You can't. You need to go get $1,000 and send it to some world weird country you don't live in and hope they send you the mining machine on time and hasn't been tested too long and milked for its profitability. And then you finally get it. And then you can contribute to the Bitcoin network. Bitcoin has 42% of all of its uh, economic energy and 2,000 addresses. Centralized as fuck. Something like 60 or 70% of the mining is in China. Could you think of a more uh, censorship-friendly country than China that would be more likely to cause network problems since... They're like the grand champion, global grand champion of filtering internet. The Great Firewall of China fil filtered more internet than anything else ever in history. So that is the absolute not place where you want your hash power, right? <clears throat> so what does Ethereum have? Ethereum has already got tested a proof of work change if the miners get shitty. Miners get too shitty? We're changing to proof of work. Fuck you guys. And, and they've already like put forks in the code where the community said, all right, miners are going to get paid less. And then they just pay the miners less and the miners take it. Awesome. That's a better setup. That's a better ecosystem. So you're getting higher throughput with less pollution, with a more decentralized uh, mining ecosystem, with more backup plans that are already tested to take over if the miners get shitty, with scaling already done, with bug bounties already done, and, and more developers and working on smarter stuff. All the ZK rollup guys, all the scaling guys are all working in Ethereum ecosystem. I mean, some of them are doing their like other well, like Ethereum. One thing I wanted to, to ask you about, Richard, <clears throat> sorry on that pitch. I think you, you have a pretty good pitch overall on it and even tactile. It's almost done. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I've got more. <laughs> okay, so one thing I wanted to ask you here in this case, and actually maybe you can build on this in the sense of scalability is I remember a while sure. back, you know, you were pretty like, especially back in the day when you're really big on Bitcoin, big on proof of yeah. work. Obviously, with yeah. the 2.0, I'm in the boat that it's going to take a long time to get there. Um, sure. Everyone I've talked so. to, yeah. Um, so basically, I'm just curious, do you think in this case, like going to proof of stake is a better step for Ethereum in this case? Or do you just think it's maybe? It depends. Yeah. I, I think it will, like, 
I think it'll be very late because all software is very late and it always has been mm -hmm. and always will be. So I think it'll be very late. <clears throat> I do think we already have proof that federated models with reduced security, reduced censorship resistance, but higher throughput are totally functional. For instance, EOS. Mm -hmm. EOS is just, you know, 21 guys deciding whether they want to let you keep your money or not. And that's it. And usually they do. And so, look, that system hasn't failed yet. We have other proof of stake and distributed proof of stake systems that have not been hacked, which just show that this particular vector of attack, it's not a thing. And by the way, proof of work, it's actually just proof of stake in electric bills and hardware bills. Yeah. So it's just an alternate proof of stake. The, the difference is that you don't have like the nothing at stake attack where you say all chains are valid, but really only one of them was, but since you said yes to everything, you got paid anyway. Like, so there's, but you cure that through slashing, which is people put up a security bond and if they catch you saying shit that ain't right, they prove it, then they take your money. Exactly. So, so it's like, <clears throat> there's also problems with the, with the economics. So Hex solved staking. They're still trying to figure staking out from an incentive perspective. So they're trying to decide how much you should get paid. Right. And there's risk. If you have any type of hardware downtime, you're losing money. If you have a, a, a cosmic ray do a bit shift on your CPU, you're losing money. Like, and, and if you see the test nets, people have lost money on the test nets and they just end up getting fucked. So if you want to, Vitalik has a video called, so you want to be a Casper validator and it explains all the ways and that it's really actually hard and it's a job. So the difference, like staking hex, you just lock it and then you don't have to do anything, but staking ETH, you have to run a server farm and mm. keep the uptime and hope that nothing goes wrong or you will lose money and running keeping computers up it's a full-time job it's not easy at all and it, because people hand that work off to other people and introduce a centralization so it's like i don't care if it works or not like i'm happy with the way ethereum works now yes we have these spikes for fees but those spikes for fees cause more buy pressure and cause the price to go up so when did when did bitcoin make all-time highs when fees were at all-time highs and when did Ethereum make all-time highs? When fees were at all-time highs. So all-time high fees is the price you pay for a bull run. So for me, it's like an okay trade. Um, is If we can get USDT onto more L2 stuff, because it's not decentralized anyway, they, they, they print by accident a billion and then take it back away. They've done that. Like, oops, we printed an extra billion. Our bad. We'll just delete this. That's how secure that system is. Since, since it's fake secure anyway, you can put that on an L2, no problem. And then that would take away about 25% of the transactions off of Ethereum, like this. And those transactions don't actually add value to the Ethereum network because they used to run on Omni and Omni only did $200 a day volume, didn't do shit for the Omni price. So it ain't doing shit for the Ethereum price. So I wouldn't, I would love to see the Tether transactions offloaded onto to an L2 and that they would leave more space for everybody else that really needs a decentralization. And then if we could get Uniswap, which I think is like 60% of all of the gas usage now, mm -hmm. uh, Uniswap V2, if we could get that onto uh, an L2 of some sort. It's, it's literally going to be all we need, man, in order to buy time until some kind of layer two yeah. solution. That's the thing that I, I, sure. I was kind of talking to people about is it's like, I think so many people are hyped up about, um, they're excited about ETH 2.0, but the point I constantly bring up is that any investor that I talk to, any Ether developer, Anyone in the community that actually has a know of what's going on and is realistic and not overtly optimistic is saying that this is going to be, even Vitalik, he said it on the interview with Peter McCormack, this is going to be something over the next few years that we're looking sure. to do. Like, so this is not yeah. coming in 2021, maybe the early but, but stages. Like, you don't need but, it. it like, yeah. The shit but works that's the great thing. now. 
Exactly. You know? It's layer two. That's Layer two is the interest point here. And the problem is, is yep. it was really, to be honest, Richard, what I looked for over these last few years is I know it's going to be very difficult to, to solve that kind of blockchain dilemma where you have the three corners in this case that you have to worry about. Um, but in this case, it's a matter of who gets to layer two scaling quicker and who does it properly. And optimism, I if think- If everyone uses optimism, yeah. everyone will do it at the same time yeah. because it's already pre-rolled for you. Exactly. You can just be like, yeah copy paste the code onto the l2 server it's so it's so easy to onboard everything that people have already worked on it saves a ton of time and i think it's going to be basically as you mentioned due to the openness of it in the sense that it'll be well tested and rigorous by the time it goes on to mainnet and most of the big applications will be using it i mean dude it's going to basically bring way down to single digits consistently which is going to be great really exciting yeah Mm -hmm. now maybe there'll be some maybe spams or something on the network we saw that once i think back here in, in 2020 but it was like outside of that, I mean, it's it'll be great. I mean, fields will be down to nothing and it'll be back to where Ethereum used to be, but also have all of the functionality that people are used to with lightning fast swaps where you don't have to go through a centralized exchange. Whereas you mentioned yep. in this case, you have access to any token you want in this case. And I think it, it's it's a Almost. really, yeah, pretty, yeah. You can't get cross-chain so easy, but. Yes, yes, in that case. Everything on the Yoshi 20 network, sure. Yeah, yeah. and again, in, in that case, I think we've seen, uh, you know, whether again, as, as you talked about, Richard, I think about the, the, the risk of it in this case um, with wrapped Bitcoin. I think it's just a signal of what's it's going be- on. It's better than leaving it on fucking uh, an exchange. UCX. Yeah, and that's the yeah. whole thing is that like- I think people are already pretty comfortable with trusting people to hold their assets. So I think that, again, wrapped Bitcoin, it's kind of a necessary evil in the short <clears throat> term to get that liquidity yep. towards somewhere where it's yep. earning kind of a yield. I agree. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you something else. The system of having a swap instead of a normal exchange is that when you use a swap, you're forced to take custody again instantly. Yes. And that's a big deal. Because the float is what gets attacked. If you send some money to Quadriga CX and then you place some limit orders and then you wait, you're at risk while you're waiting. And then if your limit orders get hit and then you remember to log in and then you withdraw your money, there's a lot of and thens. But on a swap system, your counterparty risk, which is nothing, you don't have any counterparty risk, but you do have like this much smart contract risk. It's over with quickly and you can iterate. You can just do smaller trades one after the other. And then if it fucks up, it only fucks up the last one and you're just golden. Like it's you're you're in and out so much quicker that your attack surface is so much smaller. It will save millions of dollars of money for people, millions of dollars. And now that the the thickest order book in the world for Ethereum USDC is on Uniswap, you're getting a better order execution. You're getting less slippage, Mm -hmm. period. You know, one thing I wanted to build, people, you know, just to build yeah. on it, Richard. Yeah, I think I think people don't understand the full scale benefits with Uniswap. So this is something I've talked about a lot on my channel. So first off, as as you've already hit on, Richard, like obviously you have self custody in this case by default. There is no way where Uniswap is holding your funds outside of being a liquidity provider in this case. Outside of that, Mm -hmm. though, if you're just making swaps, it's completely non-custodial. And outside of that as well, I mean, that's the face value benefit, but there's also a ton of different benefits. So take, you know, for example, I use Coinbase Pro as an example, like a well-respected used exchange here in the United States. Coinbase Pro charges 0.5% for fees right now. Uniswap by default charges a liquidity provider fee of 0.3%, lower than a professional trading platform in the US that most people rely on. Along with that as well, Notice how many times when you're trying to make those trades, whether you're trading spot or whether you're trading derivatives or on a margin, it just happens to be that every time there's a major price move, oh, we got server maintenance. Oh, we got to shut down. We got to fix something. 5%. Yeah. Coinbase can't live. 
through a five percent move. Yeah, a five percent move knocks Coinbase over every fucking time. Yeah, and again, I, I again not naming names in this case. It's like there's a, it's pretty much a lot of exchanges. I mean, this has happened across the board. And again, this is another net benefit that people don't talk about with DEXs and more specifically Uniswap. Uniswap may have high gas fees, right? In this case, until we get to layer two, no. They're doubt. actually extremely low gas fees yeah. if you if you compare yes, them. No, to exactly. Else. Compared to other dexes, that's very true against yeah. Kyber, against Banker, any yeah. any dex out there. Zero X. Yeah. It is the most efficient way to do swaps, hands down. But even like for example, the I mean, L one was a little bit more efficient, but you couldn't do arbitrary ERC to ERC twenty pairs. Everything had to talk to ETH. Precisely. If you're just trading for ETH and you just care about gas, you can get almost half the gas price on Uniswap V one. But if you're trading like non-eth base pair then it's better on v2 you'll get less slippage exactly yeah so people make the argument about fees in that case and stuff and yeah that might be true in regards to maybe if you have high uh, high network demand but the biggest thing above all is making sure and i I realized this you know running digifox and just constantly taking feedback from people people don't care about paying anywhere from one to three percent fees on things they care most yep. of all about getting execution. And when you're on those volatile moments where your Bitcoin or Ether on a centralized exchange is not accessible because they have 500 people <laughs> who are trying to run an entire system that's yeah. now somehow not working. And then yeah. on something like Uniswap, you have a team of six to seven people who have a smart yeah. contract on an immutable network that's constantly yeah. churning and running. I mean, there's yeah. a massive benefit to that. Constant uptime and uh, constant- Hex, Hex is at 100% uptime. Yeah. So that, that's one thing. Again, let me tell you, it's, yeah. it's done a fair amount of volume, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, I agree with you, Rich. I, th- I think above all, it's the, the cool thing is, is that this is kind of building a new standard where everything's going to be up. It's always going to be accessible. Anyone can tap into it. And that's yeah. honestly the vision that I love to see. It's what crypto is all about. Yeah. And it's going to set a whole new dynamic for how finance works, I think, in the long run. I agree 100%. I would love to see the sexes, CEX, centralized exchanges, just basically disappear except for the regulatory arbitrage of being able to on-ramp people with fiat well that's i would love to see that one thing well and to that point richard we we do that with digifox so like again even though for example in some areas there are still restrictions in this case due to some specific states or countries um you basically have to go through the standard kyc through digifox if you want to on-ramp through one of our providers we tap into a variety of different providers from bank deposits to debit cards and you can also make traditional crypto deposits but you're you're not doing the standard mooney swap uh uh, wire oh moon pay yeah so uh, yes so basically moon pay yeah wire, wire with a w or rather w y r e and then uh there's like three or four yeah like everybody uses so in, in the coin or in the coin for foreign cards simplex for local usa cards yeah so we don't use simplex simplex is way too far out there at the moment we do use moon pay and we use a new interface okay. for wire which improves the experience a lot more we're actually okay. getting rid of those and hopefully by january we're expecting to have a whole new on-ramp network that's going to be better than any smart wallet out there interface to DeFi. Okay. so we're very excited about it it's one thing we've been working pretty extensively on but um, using right. providers that have zero fees for bank deposits or at least dramatically nice. reduce it and also yeah. for debit card fees getting cut in half as well. I got to tell you, this is a sticking point. Getting So people ask me, hey, Richard, how do I buy Hex? I'm like, buy ETH and then turn it into Hex because it's just more available everywhere. And then they're like, all right, well, how do I buy ETH? And then it's like, ah, shit. Well, you could either set up a Bitstamp account or try the transact widget if you're in the USA, mm-hmm. or if you're doing Euro or Swiss or GBP wires, or you could use Indicoin if you're using cards outside the USA, or you could try Changely, which then you could try Ramp and Apple Pay and Wire 
that's a long shitty like eight option answer that sucks i mean so like ideally i'd love to have a dev build a widget that's just like where do you live yeah okay that's basically where's your money coming from yeah okay these are your options and here's the best deal. Yeah. And you'll be able to build that richer. I think most definitely and stuff. Again, you can pull from those different providers you mentioned, but we do the same thing. Uh, we utilize the area code of someone's phone. Uh, we're going to be probably working on a better system. We're going to be pulling from a few different points in that case that we can work with, but again, also respecting data privacy. Um, but above it's all, hard because half those yeah. providers, their states just drop out. So yeah. like if you use wire with a WYRE, they don't handle like, there's like 10 states. They just don't. Can't yeah, do. yeah, they, yeah. Actually, um, yeah. There's a there's a variety of states. Um, we have team along some of the East Coast and stuff. And sadly, uh, some of us have to use either another on ramp service or just do debit card deposits. Yep. So in that case, yeah, there's a lot of other things we route people to. As you mentioned, sometimes you have to rely on the exchange. But I'm telling you, yeah. man, in the next year or two, when those on ramp systems get a little bit better, uh, I think it's going to be massive. And we've maybe also... PayPal solves this. <laughs> maybe maybe fucking can you can you wire PayPal money? I think you can. Maybe maybe PayPal solves this shit. I've even I've even heard so like apparently when you send your money to these exchanges they just won't give you your crypto for five days like apparently Coinbase just will not that, give you your that's crypto correct. unless it's USDC it it it's depends USDC they'll do it apparently yeah, yeah. so for USDC um it, it well it's de it depends so Coinbase from my knowledge has about a five day limitation pretty much on like you can basically um, receive your USDC instantly into your Coinbase account but they only allow you to trade it with inside assets to the platform from my knowledge and don't call me on right. that yeah. um, I think the, yeah. the the whole thing though is you cannot withdraw because it, there's the, the the credit risk of basically making a bank transfer uh, yeah. canceling it or something but going like wrong. yeah in the good old days you could god damn it <laughs> this five-day hold shit's relatively new yeah. I mean I haven't had to buy crypto in a while so yeah. I'm not really like you know uh, <clears throat> apparently, if you use the cash app, you can get Bitcoin actually delivered in your hand faster. And then you could like wrap it in Ren, Ren, uh, bridge.renvm or whatever, and then put it into ETH, you know, or use Changely or whatever, right? So, like, I think, I think if you actually want to take delivery, like, one of the fastest ways is the cash app, apparently. And I, I didn't know you could actually move your Bitcoin out of cash app. That's something that's actually kind of new to I, me. I think so. Yeah. I mean, unless I'm, that's what I've heard. I mean, look, I haven't done it, but this yeah. is what my chat tells me and they're usually on point. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah. And I know that, um, so yeah, above all the debit, the debit cards to my knowledge were always like the quick, if you wanted to get into a token of some sort, if you were looking to do swaps or, or for example, in your case, hex in that case, yeah, the best would be for debit cards for sure. You can get pretty much near instant settlement for that. Um, in a lot of, a lot of areas, there's some areas, like for example, we had some users in like South Africa who it was taking like a full 24 hours in that case, but it, right. it has to do with people don't understand how complex the debit card and banking network um, the back end is to make all of this work. Right. It's a total mess. Yep. And it's the same yep. problem with centralized exchanges as we talked about, Richard. Yep. Uh, hey, at least at, at least Visa doesn't fucking exit scam you. Like if you've got like like that that's the nice part. Like if you have deposits on OKX right now, you can't get your money out. Period. And OKX is huge. Fucking huge. Like when you go in like the Bitcoin rich list and you look at the sizes of cold wallets. I think OKX has the largest cold wallet in the world. So the fact that no one can withdraw, kind of a fucking problem. You know? Yeah, I mean, OKX, <clears throat> I mean, services a variety of markets, but that that exchange and BitThumb really tap into Korea and a lot of regions where, I mean, dude, it, it's commonplace where you have, you have like usually older folks in this case who probably aren't as in tune with crypto. 
um, holding like a decent size position and they talk about it in the cafe they show it to one another this is what i'm holding today and it, i've talked to the, some of the korean youtubers who are a bit on the kind of speculation side of things and man dude like, yeah. they, they're, they're even blown away by it it's just it's a cultural thing there um it, and it's sad I, I'm, yeah. we've been on we've been on a korean exchange for a while and i just yesterday i got my first like korean language question in main chat <laughs> so we had like a t.me for it says hex core like we had a korean chat yeah. that people were playing with in a while it seems dead to me now but then I was like having to Google Translate answers to this dude, you know? Yeah. Because we got Chinese users, but we don't really have many. I don't think we have any Korean users. This would be like our, I mean, I guess we do, but I don't know them, you know? So I can't like tag them. Like, hey, I know this guy speaks Korean or whatever. Yeah. They do FOMO hard as fuck over there. The Koreans, FOMO. Well, it's, it's, it's very, com I mean, it's common in a lot of areas of the world where like speculation is, is definitely ingrained a lot into the culture. It was the reason in, in, in China for uh, the 25, uh, the, the, sorry, the 2015 uh, Shanghai composite bubble that was basically built off retail volume. And this is something right. that I always kind of emphasize with what we're seeing now in equities. A lot of people kind of scuff that, you know, retail investors aren't playing a role in it because their liquidity size is so small. But the thing is, is that they do something that institutions don't and they market buy. So they're constantly right. marking by and clearing through the right. asks. And this causes yeah. a secondary effect where institutions follow suit. They follow what, what are the retail investors buying? And now, yeah. as we saw, Warren Buffett was selling the airline stocks when everyone was buying them. Uh, and, yeah. you know, retail investors bought Tesla. And now the funds are like, oh, we got to get a piece of Tesla at a 200, 300, 400 billion dollar market cap. And it's You're the same. to get in before the retail, not after. Yeah, like exactly. They're doing it backwards. Yeah. Because, so. I mean, retail gets wrecked. It just takes a little while, right? Like, okay, helicopter money, everything's going up fine. But at some point, that, that was a funny thing. Like, you see interviews with like Naval Ravikant or uh, Warren Buffett, and like everyone's scaling into cash. And then you're like, yeah, but the market's a new all time high. So you guys feel dumb now, huh? And they're like, yeah, I guess we do feel dumb. But, you know, like it, sometimes the market does shit that is unreasonable. So with everyone out of work, all the real estate empty. Now we're in like second wave zone. You can't travel. Whole industries are shut down, but everything's making new all-time highs. You're like, all right, something's funny about this game. <laughs> this is not like, for the 1% owns everything to such a hard degree that it doesn't matter if everyone else is out of work because those people don't matter. The only people that actually matter are the 1%. And they're giving those guys helicopter money. And what are they doing with their money? Buying up future valued assets. So like, it, that Joe America is out of job doesn't actually affect the market. You're like, oh, well, who knew? Interesting. I, mean, I knew the 1% mattered, but I didn't know they mattered that much. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's upsetting, man. The dynamic that's going on with asset markets and monetary policy has been, it's been really fascinating to see just kind of, you know, phase two since 2008 in this case, where we've just continued on the same track of, oh, let's keep printing money, keep injecting yeah. it into financial assets. And somehow this is going to like work out in the long term rather than It'll trickle down. Yeah. Everyone's out of work. Yeah. Every, every normal person. It's right? very Rich upsetting. people are doing great. Billionaires are tacking on extra billions. Yeah, hey, I can't lie. Hex is doing pretty good. It's like 115x before the call started. It's not bad. I love being in an industry where we measure our performance by the number of multiples it's done. <laughs> in a normal business, you're like, we've done 0.005x this year. We're very happy. Yeah, we're very happy for the strategic 5% growth when we expected 3%. <laughs> it's like, it is, it's yeah. blown, man. And it, it's it's just, it's so interesting, I think, above all, like to, to see how fast paced things are moving in this space. I mean, 
like I said, Richard, I mean, just thinking back like a year ago, man, like it was just, you know, it wasn't per se just an idea, but you hadn't launched it yet. You know, you were just getting ready for it. Yeah. So, I mean. Hilarious. Yeah. And so much change. It was Bitcoin hacks. Now that Bitcoin word, we don't need it. Get yeah. Here. We don't want it. And people could yell and complain. And then, uh, dude, $3 billion of Bitcoin holders minted their hacks in the contract. That means people that have private keys to spend $3 billion, It's more than $3 billion now. It's like 306,000 Bitcoin. So it's probably like almost $4 billion now, I guess. They could just decide to swap some of that for Hex because mm -hmm. they've already used it. They've already seen gains on it. So, And we know they have the private keys because they signed from the private keys. That's amazing. Like $3 billion? So sure, it could have been a lot more. Like We only got like 3% of the possible claims, I think. But it's still three three billion fucking dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah, man. <laughs> like like people that have minted their own hacks have control of three billion dollars of Bitcoin. That's awesome. Like yeah, man. what more validation do you want, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> no, I think above all Richard and stuff, I like I said, I'm very interested to see how things go over the long run. W what I appreciated above all with Hex, like when you first told like when we talked about it originally and also I'd been kind of following it through the uh, through about the couple of months before you actually took it live on mainnet. The, the thing for me that really stood out is that, look, for example, it's definitely out there. It's definitely different from a lot of the other cryptocurrencies. Yep. But the yep. reason why it is, is I think, A, not only did you do things by the books, but the one thing as well that I do appreciate above all is that you're not kind of BSing. Like, you're just kind of honest about what Hex is. Did I tell you why is. we developed it? Yeah. I, yeah. Everyone else, Satoshi put a happening of the inflation every four years it's not in the white paper there is no mentioning of the happening in the white paper whatsoever why did satoshi put that in because he wanted it to pump now what do the ethereum guys want they want ethereum to pump so what are they doing they're trying to build coin burning with the ip1559 so instead of miners being paid something that they then give the electricity company it'll have a large component that just burns so yeah, it rises it's it's actually price. purely, not just like Bitcoin, where you have a declining inflation rate to a finite cap, but with E1159, in this case, or Ethereum Improvement Proposal 15599. Um, in yeah. this case, you're giving the opportunity where Ethereum can actually become truly deflationary. So that's kind of a, yeah. a misconception some people have about Bitcoin yep. is they call it deflationary, when reality, it's not. It's finite. It's it, just it, convergently yeah. less inflationary. Yeah, exactly. So, so, like, so we already have coin burning. And they're trying to figure out staking so they can get coins to lock up to drive the price up. And we're like, yeah, we already have that. So like Hex already has coin burning and lockups and Ethereum's trying to catch up, but people don't realize that. And the other thing is a lot of what Hex does is actually just what Bitcoin does, but people don't realize it. So Bitcoin inflates to reward miners and miners literally just sell the coins on people's heads to pay for electric bills and hardware. They don't buy coins, they sell them. Hmm. We Hex inflates to pay stakers to hold the price up. And we don't have negative externalities. We don't have to pay miners. They get a couple pennies or a dollar. They don't get billions of dollars an hour like in Bitcoin. And they're both fixed reward pools. So in Bitcoin, if you're 10% of the hash rate, you get 10% of all the block rewards. In Hex, if you're 10% of the shares, you get 10% of all the rewards. That's it. We have two systems that inflate. They both inflate at low single digit percents. One inflates for miners to dump the price. One inflates for stakers to hold the price up but they both have fixed pools and they're both divided up the same way. So shares and hacks are equal to hash rate and total hash rate is equal to total shares. They're the same fucking thing. And then difficulty in, in Bitcoin, you keep having a higher and higher difficulty because the hash rate gets higher and higher. The hex equivalent for difficulty is the share price and our share price only goes up. Uh, actually difficulty can go down sometimes, although it's rare 
in bear markets, it does. And in hex, the share price just goes up and up and up, which is how we account for compounding. So instead of, so if you had put in money and it had compounded, okay, well now we have to pay you the interest, which means we've got to take data and write it to your database entry. And then we have to do that for every stake you have and for all the other 10,000s of stakers, right? There's like 30,000 stakers. So instead of writing all those databases all the time, instead we just do what Bitcoin does and we account for our accounting by moving the share price up. So now it's harder for new guys to dilute you and you will never be able to get a better share rate than you already have. The share rate, the share price only goes up and it's mathematically the same because we're just maintaining a ratio. That's all shares do is they say, how much do you have versus somebody else? Mm. So instead of inflating these guys all the time, we just deflate the new guys and that keeps the ratios the same. And you don't have to write to the database for a million guys. You just have to write it once for the new share price. And so, and our, so our share price is like Bitcoin difficulty. Our shares are like Bitcoin hash rate. Our total shares is like Bitcoin total hash. There's so many similarities that like, that like once you look at the system from like a helicopter view, you're like, yeah, it's not actually that much different. So, so Hex has a hybrid proof of stake for inflation, proof of work for transactions. And Bitcoin has proof of work for inflation and transactions. But other than that, the two systems are very similar, right? Like, like once you look at it from like that overview, and the only, the only other thing that we did was interesting. <clears throat> Bitcoin used to freemium onboard people by double clicking an EXE, they give them free coins. And so we had a freemium onboarding where we just allowed you to claim if you had Bitcoin. So mm -hmm. we both had freemium onboarding. We had an affiliate program, uh, Bitcoin didn't. Our, our referral program disappears in 26 days, 25 days. Our uh, ability to turn Ethereum directly into Hex in the contract disappears in 25 days. Uh, the ability to free claim as a Bitcoin holder disappears in 25 days. It's all gone. And the only thing that's left is a maximum of 3.69 inflation, maximum, uh, for people at stake. If you're 10% of the stake shares, you're 10% of the payouts. That's it. Like it's actually, it's actually a pretty simple system that just has less pollution. Pretty much I think, because we're piggybacking on ETH. Yeah, I think the biggest thing there, Richard, is that a lot of the features that you guys worked on in this case to kind of help initiate uh, Hex as an asset in that case, as you mentioned, it's I picture it kind of like in this case, like the different components of it slowly kind of tethering away with the, the big launch that you guys have coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, you then, you know, uh, in 26 days, there's like a billion dollar payout. No, yeah. It's I, literally worth a yeah. billion dollars now. It's going to be very interesting. <laughs> it'll be, no, it'll be interesting to see what that does to pricing because I'll be honest, yeah. I think that when you do kind of dilute the supply in that case, there's probably going to be some kind of price response. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. It's only paid to people that are locked. They can't sell. Mm. So so there's a big a big inflation on that day. So you're going from a $460 billion supply to like a, an $183 billion more. But the majority of that is going to people that are locked up for years. The average stake length in Hex is 4.3 years. Mm -hmm. and just, Do you know how long people have to stake to get an average of four? There has to be a shitload of 10-year stakes. Yeah, just There's to, a shitload of 10-year stakes to get a 4.3 uh, average. Yeah, so just to understand it, Richard, to, to make sure I get a full transparent picture on it um, and understand mm -hmm. what you built. Um, yep. So in this case, you have the lockup in this case. Is it like basically custodial, uh, sorry, not, no, it's not custodial, wrong term. Is it basically locked up like permanently in this case? Or is there any way, for example, I know people, for example, can face a penalty in a lot of cases. Yes. Can people withdraw yep. and face a penalty? It depends on how long you locked for. Okay. If you, if you locked for 10 years, it gives you three times the shares. And if you got those three times shares and you locked for 10 years, you will nuke your account to zero if you try an emergency end stake. And some people do it. Some people click that emergency end stake button and they literally nuke their account to zero. Don't know why they do it, 
shouldn't do that guys you know so you have like so in that case so, it is it's a permanent lockup there's no like early withdrawal. if it's long yeah but if it's short mm. then you can get out with a reasonable uh, haircut so so if you only staked for like a year mm-hmm. you can get out and you might even still be up in profit percentage-wise right uh-huh. so so like if you if you staked for a year and you did like if you if you do half your stake, you can get out with your principal, but you're going to lose all your interest, no matter how long you did it for. It, so right now, like if you had a ten year stake and you only served one year, which you couldn't even have done because the system's not even a year old, you're, you're it's going to be years before you'll ever be able to actually end stake and receive anything out of it. So for the longer stakers, they're hard locked, cannot possibly get out no matter what. For the people that stake shorter periods of time, they can get out. And, and pay an exit fee to do so, at a, an emergency end stake uh, penalty. And that that's actually, remember I was telling you about Bitcoin equivalents? That's our fee system. So in Bitcoin, uh, people say, oh, well, what's the utility? Okay, well, people pay fees to use it. So obviously there must be some utility or they wouldn't pay the fees. All right, well, Hex has that too, except our fees are the emergency end stake penalties. So right now there's been about 900 million hex of emergency end stake penalties, which is worth maybe $8 million um, over the, I mean, at today's price, it's worth maybe 8 or $9 million mm. over this year. Well, who has received that $9 million of value? The stakers that were honest and staked as long as they said they would, and the origin address, which gets half. Those are the two people that benefit from that. And what is the origin address doing with all of its coins? Well, to the best of anyone's knowledge, no, not a single one of those coins has ever been sold on market, right? So what you end up having is a whale that is absorbing the penalties and absorbing the coins and then not staking them. And then that increases the market cap because if you burn, if you stake a coin and it burns, it's not in the market cap anymore and increases the payouts to the other stakers. So right now, if you're doing this competitive yield farming stuff, you really want to be in the twenties as, as your percentage payout to compete and outcompete other systems. You know, it's like if, if you were to go on like Maker and see how much you could get for like staking your ETH, it's point oh something percent. It's like nothing. You cannot make any money locking your ETH in Maker. Um, but you could turn that into hex and put it into hex and get an APY and pull it out when you want just by doing a stake ladder. So you could just have one stake ending every week or one stake ending every day, however you want to do it. And then that gives you constant uh, income. So it's like the whales in the hex system basically can decide how much they want to stake or not, which will affect what the APR of the payouts are in order to be competitive. Now, I have to imagine before the big payday in 25 days that a lot more people would stake because it's a fucking billion dollar payout. And who doesn't want a piece of that, right? So it's, once you understand how hex works, it's so similar to, to Bitcoin that you're just like, oh, it's not, there's not that much differences. Like we pay stakers instead of miners. We have a, a 3.69 maximum inflation rate, which is lower than Bitcoin ever had before it went to 20K. Now Bitcoin's at like a 1.87, but it's totally different. If, if in, in Bitcoin, that inflation gets sold on the market to pay for electricity. In Hex, if you're an average length, average size staker, there is no inflation to you because you're the one getting paid the inflation. So it's actually 0% inflation for you if you're an average length, average size staker. Hmm. The only people that are actually diluted by inflation in the Hex system are the people that don't stake. And that's how the virtual lending works. And in a system like, uh, <clears throat> let's say, Compound, someone takes out a loan and they pay an APY for that, and that APY becomes someone else's yield. In Hex, you're not taking out a loan. 
but you're being diluted if you're not staked. And so your the value of your ownership of the system is being diluted by other people's rewards that they're getting for staking and that you're not getting. And when they stake, they burn their coins, which rises the market value. And so what you have is the people that stake are lending virtually value through supply and demand curve. They're reducing the supply, which increases the value of the person that can sell, the person that's not staked. And so that's a value transfer, like a, an indirect value transfer. And then that person can harvest that value. But while he's holding those coins and not like selling them, he's paying for that privilege because he's being diluted. He's getting less of a percentage of the system. So it's actually virtual lending without people being liquidated. There's, you can't get liquidated. If you, if you go onto a platform and you put up a deposit and you don't maintain 115% uh, collateralization, your ass will get liquidated, right? Mm -hmm. So like as soon as you hit 114, a bot is going to come along and liquidate you and, and you're going to lose. Uh, yeah. Just to yeah. kind of build that retreat, from my understanding that I've always seen from Hex, I understand you make the analogy of like the um, like time deposits or CDs in this case where you're able There's to, some things in common. Yeah. I think in that case, the, the, the system that you've, uh, you've kind of replaced is a traditional whereas, for example, a bank, you would lock up your money uh, because there's a time fixed uh, on the deposit. In this case, they're able to go out and maybe, for example, let it out for a long period of time, make, in this case, interest on that money, and therefore they're going to pay yeah. at a higher interest rate than a savings account where someone can move in yeah. and out. Um, in yeah. this case, what you guys have basically built is a system where, at the same time, you know, in this case, you do have the inflows of value from people coming into the system being hopefully yeah. at the end of it kind of the rewarding system for those who might be, again, getting out of the system later on. Is that correct? It's because it's, well, it's you're not really putting the money to, it, again, unlike a traditional lending system where it, that money is going well, into credit markets and debt. In this case, it's more of just a circular. This is, this is a super common misconception. Mm. When people deposit money into banks, it goes on the bank's, uh, the, the non-asset side. Yes. The liability side. Mm. So when you deposit money in a bank, now they have a liability. They owe you that money. They don't actually lend your money out. Your money just sits there. What they do is they use the fact that you deposited as an excuse to get free money from the government. And the government just says, you can get as much free money from, from us as you want. However, you need to have this ratio of deposits yes. sitting in your bank. And so when you deposit money at the bank, your money doesn't actually get lent out. The government's money gets lent out. Your money just gets used as an excuse to get the free money from the government. And that's an important difference because people go, oh, well, where does the money come from? It just comes from inflating it out of thin air. That's where the dollars come from. And in cryptocurrency systems, it also comes from inflating it out of thin air. Bitcoin is up 1.3 million X right now, and it went hyperinflationary from zero coins to 18 million coins mm. in 10 years. Well, how do you get from zero to 18 million in 10 years? You inflate like fuck. And in the early days, Bitcoin's inflation was thousands of percent annualized in the early days. Hex gets rid of that phase, which took a long time for Bitcoin to get over with. We get to get it over with in the first year and jump right to Bitcoin's year 10 state where it did 20,000, where its inflation rate was about 3.89. And, you know, we target a max of 3.69. It's actually far lower than that because it's delayed. So yeah. th these people, they only get it at the end of their stake mm -hmm. and the average stake is 4.3 years long. So you're not even going to see 3.69 inflation for a good while until yeah. those stakes come out. No, above all, so Richard, less. I, above all, I, I get your point completely on that. I'm not, I'm not there to per se, Chris. I, I was just saying more than anything, I guess the one difference, the major difference from like with Hex as a project compared to maybe to a traditional CD in this case is that the, 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 the capital in this system that you've built and as I'm just trying to understand the system, it's basically, it's not exiting outside of the system. It's staying inside Hex. And it's really about, again, 
of being able to build a sustaining model in this case for people to be able to put away money, get some form of yield in this case, so long as Hex is yeah. again getting some general traffic well, over time. Yeah. The, the biggest difference between this and a normal CD is the people that buy normal CDs are risk averse. Mm. And if you buy Hex, you're going to have volatility. Yeah, and that's the, in, and that's in, the, the in, dynamic of Hex's price in yeah. this case is the increased volatility. Right. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's the idea. Do you want to, Hex is up 11,500% right now from January 5th. Do you think Hex could be up 11,500% if it, if it did the shit normal banks do? No, we have to do things better and different to get you a 116x return instead of a 5% return. <laughs> Yeah, but no. And, I, and the other thing yeah. is, dips are actually how people make money in crypto, but people don't realize that. In crypto, when you have a closed system, when people lose money, where did it go? Somebody else made that money. So when people come along and buy Bitcoin at twenty thousand and then sell it at three thousand, somebody made that money. So so this truth engine of getting people to declare how long they're going to stake for, and then penalizing them if they don't and showing all the trades online. You can see when people bought, when they sold, who made money, who lost money. You can see who's taking out loans, right? Because it's all on Ethereum. There's no like anonymity in there uh, unless you force it to happen with like tornado.cash. So all of that transparency and all of that openness, it gives people the opportunity to fuck up and wreck themselves and make somebody else rich. So if you want to buy a top and sell a bottom, you have that opportunity and you're going to make someone else rich. If you want an emergency end stake and not do what you said you would and stay staked as long as you would, you have the opportunity to nuke your account. In crypto, if you send your coins directly to the contract address, they're gone. Some guy just sent a million dollars to the AAVA contract address. It's yeah, gone. they did so, that. Uh, it was a sushi as well. Some I think someone from uh, Gate Exchange or something said yep, four hundred thousand. Yep. Yeah, four hundred thousand yep. tether, and I was like, dude. It's I like, think they did it again. I think I think they sent another two hundred thousand or something. I think oh. they did it twice, or maybe the four hundred was split across two. Oh man! So in crypto, you have the opportunity to nuke yourself, and someone else is going to benefit from that. And we declare these things openly. Hex is the only website in the world that talks about crypto going to zero on the homepage. This shit goes to zero, it flash crashes to zero, and that ride from a penny to $20,000, the price dropped 75, 85% three times. You gotta be ready for that. We're the most, you know, if you go to bitcoin.org, they don't talk about the price. If you go to ethereum.org, they don't talk about the volatility. They don't talk about the rollback. We talk about this shit on the homepage. It's the most honest website in crypto. And then people, they try and demonize us because they don't talk about price because they're better than us. When really the only thing anyone cares about is the price and, and they hide it. And then you're like, hey, guys, you know, there is a better way. You could just tell the fucking truth. You designed it to pump. That's why you put the happening in there. You're still trying to make it pump with coin burning and uh, lockups. Everybody business design is causing things to accrue value. That's what a business is. A business accrues value for its shareholders. If you're not OK with accruing value, then you're not OK with business. Then you're not OK with capitalism. Then you suck. It's really that easy. Designing things to appreciate value is beautiful. You think Ferrari designs its cars to fall apart and go to shit? No, they design them to be beautiful and, and hold their value and they put limited fucking numbers on them they, and they purposely limit things to make them more value. Building things of value is a beautiful endeavor and I don't think people should feel bad about doing it. But apparently some people do. You, know, you talk about price on your website, you're evil apparently. Yeah, well, Richard, above all, man, I'm, I'm interested to see, like I said, how things go and stuff. And again, I, I mean, I, I, above all, like, I think what you've built is something definitely unique in the space. And if it's something that's, you know, different out there from more of the traditional copycats and DeFi and stuff, I'm interested to see how it goes, man. And above all, again, it's I... It's so far. Yeah, no it's, <laughs> no, it's definitely, I think in that case so far, it's done well. And I just, above all, again, just want to say, man, 
best of luck with everything tell, tell people yeah. tell people how they can uh, find your app and stuff man yeah, yeah, yeah. in that case if uh, people are looking for again tapping into some of the other sources in DeFi right now um, you can always find Digifox on iOS or Androids on the Google Play or Apple Store uh, we're adding a few more features we got a December release coming out that'll hopefully clean up the user experience even more than what we've built and outside of that as well as some new on-ramps going into January we're going to be looking at doing layer two and quarter one of 2021 and we've got are a lot you of other sure? I mean you just started up there's no way you have enough volume to need the L2 I mean are you like are you just oh you really it's, it's more of the bragging rights early or? so it's not really so much for transactions <laughs> it's um it's All more right. we're really hoping and you know it's, it's kind of a matter of uh, some of our protocols uh, or some of the tools that we plug into such as compound and uh, uniswap actually going to optimism but outside right. of this well we do want to also hopefully have layer two payments in this case which would make it seamless for Digifox right. users to send money between one another, which I think is going to be right. really good and important and scaling out Digifox in the long term. You have to build a better payment system than traditional systems yeah. and then have all the features and functionality you'd expect at a traditional bank or uh, kind right. of a new age bank in this case. So Dude, It's really good talking to you, man. Yeah. Like, uh, when, we, when we hung out in Singapore, it was great. I can't wait till COVID fucks off so we can <laughs> hang out again. Uh, yeah, this COVID shit, it's like... <laughs> Makes, uh, it's terrible, man. I would love to be on stages right now saying cool shit, but uh, you know, we're calling out Greg, like, right? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. I get crypto, man. Oh, man. Well, so, yeah, so, so uh, yeah. people should follow you on your uh, YouTube, youtube.com forward slash data dash, right? Uh, yeah, if you just search up Data Dash on YouTube, you'll find me there. And then outside of this, while I'm on Twitter at Nicholas underscore Merton, there's a lot of Data Dash uh, Twitter fake accounts, but it's just Nicholas yeah. underscore Merton. And uh, yeah, above, same goes to you, Richard, and stuff. I know a lot of people who yeah. might be watching my stream. You can always check out Richard uh, on YouTube as well. Just search up Richard Hart. And uh, I know that Richard's got all the links there for, for Hex and everything he's been working on. There. So yeah, man. I love it. You can't misspell it. You <laughs> cannot misspell Hex.com. You can't. No. I would go to like H-E-C-K-S. Then we don't even want your money. Keep yeah. it. You need it more than us. Absolutely, man. <laughs> yeah, I think the the one thing, Richard, I will say above all that I, I you know, that I think again, one thing that I was thinking about hex in regards to just kind of like as a project and stuff. And I know you've talked about how you guys chose the branding and everything. I'm probably one of like the the probably smaller community people who I absolutely love the uh, the color shading that you have because I'm like Thanks, man. I love like the retro wave kind of stuff. But I will say yeah, in that case, great. I think in the long term with scaling, if I can give one feedback point on sure. hex, yeah. Um, in that case, yeah. I think hex above all. The best thing you can do that I and you know I know for example you've spoken on Ampleforth before and again I like these types I of have. things I, I like you know again I, I like seeing what people can do to build different types yeah. of monetary systems that are automated um, above all I think that's one thing that I'd like to see maybe change over time with Hex but again I understand as well the philosophy of, of how to scale it especially during the referral it, period it's the the interesting thing is what could use less TPS than something that is locked on average for four point three years. It's the minimal possible TPS usage. And we have extreme gas optimization where we do bitwise shifts and sh shrink all the data types to the minimum possible. And it's like actually very, very, very cheap. To I think some of the functions are less than Uniswap functions. Yeah, yeah. What, no, not so um, much. Yeah, I think the the cost. Oh, uh, you're talking about just scaling as getting a new users. Yeah, well, yeah, in the sense of br no branding in this case, like okay. not not the name. Right. I think name the name Hex is fine and stuff. No, I mean like in the sense yeah, of yeah. like overall design. I'm just a design bug in that case. But um, right. yeah, if you if you ever need some input, man, I'm happy to help. And uh, above all, man, thank you. Just, I appreciate that. Man. Yeah, I, maybe we could work together on those fiat on ramps because it is a sticking point, and whoever solves it, man, please go to town. Like, <laughs> there are people that want to buy Hex. And they haven't because everyone else sucks at their job. So it's like, hey, I want to buy hacks. All right, go buy ETH. 
they can't right yeah, and you're right. like you know bro it's good talking to you man yeah absolutely richard yeah we'll see it's... each other soon anytime you want to stream maybe we'll do one after the big payday maybe awesome man sounds good richard it's nice getting to chat and, and thank you, you guys as well for tuning in appreciate it ciao man ciao